0: Take a seat. Citizens Youth, what's up? How we doing? It's Wednesday night. Welcome. Glad that you guys are here. We'll give you a second to walk back to your seat. Can we just thank the band for being here tonight, leading us in worship? And uh, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. If you are a drummer, we need drummers for the band. And uh, if you want to learn how to play the drums, I'd love for you to practice in kids' church first. I'm just kidding. Uh, We'd love to have you up here, maybe. Um, We'll see. They wouldn't let me try. I was like, Cody, I can play Max. Let me try. And they're like, don't, please, just don't. All right, what's up, everyone? Uh, Open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We're we're cruising along here in uh, Acts. And uh, we've been learning all about God's spirit uh, and God's people, right? The people of God, the church of God. Uh, on the move, uh, on mission uh, for the gospel of Jesus. So everyone take a deep breath. Everyone, all eyes, all eyes on me, eyes up here. Take a deep breath, and then exhale. All right, let's focus in together, all right? Let's do it. We've been learning all about um, how the church is growing. The Lord is doing amazing things here in the book of Acts. And uh, I don't know about you, but, like, as we get started, it's, uh, the holidays are, like, kind of coming up, like I'm realizing, which is wild, right? Okay, so the holidays are coming up. I was like, oh, Halloween, that's in, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, like a month. And I'm like, it's in 10 days or whatever. Like, this year's flying by. And um, the holidays always make me think about, uh, like, spring, spring break and then, like, uh, you know, Thanksgiving break, Christmas break. These wonderful, wonderful moments where we get a break off from school Except if your teachers are really lame, they give you like a packet this thick to take home with you. All right. Anyone tracking with me? Does anyone have that? Was it just me growing up? I feel like every break I had a little packet I had to take home. I'm like, what's the point? Right? Like what's the point of going on break if you or like conveniently the projects do like the day after break. And you're like, oh, now I have to work on it. Okay, so for me, bringing these packets home, I would probably like a good student. I'd split up the work evenly amongst all five or six days, however many days I have off, of course, right? Like I'd read a little bit, maybe I'd do 20 questions here, like five questions there, and then I would make it so I had a day before and a day after to completely rest and uh, no one believes me because it's not true. I'd wait until like maybe the night before, maybe the morning of, right? Maybe Monday morning or late, late, late Sunday night. I'd pull the packet out, be like, all right, time to get this thing done, right? Procrastinators in the room, where are we at? Come on, yeah. (laughs) We'll get it done at some point in time. It will happen, and it'll be fine. It's just, you know. Okay, so if you're like me, maybe you're like, yeah, I could wait to the last second sometimes. Like all the work that I think would have been better to have happened at a different time, you know, it's just in my timing, I'll make it happen, right? And there's a story tonight that we're going to read in the Bible, a, a true story, something that actually happened. And this is a story of God working miraculously, It's a story of God working powerfully in the life of somebody who desperately needed God to show up. It's the story of God's church, God's uh, spirit-filled people working miracles. Oftentimes in life, I think we think that God is procrastinating a little bit, that God is taking his sweet time, and um, if only he were to do things on our time, in our way, then we would be a OK. Like if God was our genie in the bottle and we could figure out the time and place that he was to work and he was to move, and if he could do it on my schedule, that would be awesome. And I'm here tonight to tell you, and we're going to read of tonight, a story of God at work in his church. And I want to tell you this as we begin. God is always working, even when we don't see it, even when we don't realize it. He shows up in miraculous ways like we're going to see here tonight, we're going to read about. And he shows up in moments that we didn't even realize until we look back at the fact. And we say, wow, wait, God was moving actually in that really hard time. God was moving in that time I didn't even realize it. God is always working and his timing is perfect. Tonight we're going to get a glimpse into that. So if you're ready, go ahead, keep your Bibles open. Look at Acts chapter 3. We're going to be verses 1 through 10 tonight verses one through 10. It says this, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the gate at the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering to the temple. Seeing Peter and John uh, about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. As he fixed his attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter says, "'I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk.' And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong." "'And leaping, he stood and he began to walk "'and enter the temple with them, "'walking and leaping and praising God. "'And all the people saw him walking and praising God "'and recognized him as the one "'who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple.'" asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement to what has happened to them. That's what fuels the worship of the church, the awesomeness of God, the amazing things that God has done in our lives and the lives of others. It's so important that we uh, we see that. Let's pray together and then we'll dive in. God, thank you for uh, this word. Thank you so much for uh, the fact that you are always working. Even when we don't see it, even when there's moments we wish you would show up on our time, God, thank you for miracles. Thank you for the fact that you're alive and that your spirit is empowering us uh, to this day. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, two major characters in this, Peter and John. And what are they doing? They're heading to the temple to pray. And so um, they would have been doing this their whole lives as good religious uh, people in the Jewish uh, context and culture, they would have gathered together multiple times a day to go to the temple and pray. And now, even though they have the Holy Spirit guiding them, directing them, And they're preaching the gospel. They're going out, they're seeing miracles. They're still gathering together to pray. Interesting that we still need uh, this community. We still need to pray to the Lord and we still need to worship him uh, constantly. And so they're doing that. uh, And it says uh, says the ninth hour, which is like three o'clock in the afternoon. And they're walking and they encounter this man who's laying in front of the temple gates. The beautiful gate, it might've been silver and gold. The actual gate may have been made of it. And he was laying there and he was asking people for help. So the Bible says it uses the word lame, basically meaning he has lost uh, function since birth. He was not able to use his feet or his legs specifically. And back in uh, this time, people who would have had physical deformities like this would not have been treated correctly. They would not have been treated with respect or dignity. There would have been moments and times where this person was treated subhuman because of their physical, uh, 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 their physical ailment. And Peter and John, they're walking to the temple. They encounter him. And verse three through six, it says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. That's charity, right? It's a word we don't really use, but like he's asking for money for charity. He just needs help, some assistance. He's asking for it. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John and said, look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something. Peter says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I Give to you. This person would have been passed probably every single day by people who didn't care. He may have received some sort of payment, he may have received some sort of prayer. But my guess is that oftentimes people going to a temple of all places to worship and connect with God may have passed this person to the side. But something's different. The Spirit of God is empowering Peter and John in this moment to be generous. The first point tonight, the Holy Spirit fills us with compassion for the needy. The Holy Spirit fills us with compassion for the needy. One of the evidences of the Holy Spirit moving in your heart is your growing compassion and empathy towards other people. One of the evidences of the Lord working in your heart is your love and affection for people who don't have as much as you your desire to help them, your desire to care for them, I believe directly reflects where your heart is in relationship to God. It's a really good, uh, you know, it's a really good diagnostic test for where your heart is. You know, to look under the hood, to check and figure out how things are going inside of your heart, I just ask you to ask yourself, how are you treating people who don't have as much as you? How are you treating people who are in need? How are you treating people who need help? because you can't claim to love God and hate others. The evidence of the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, working in you, refining you, is your love and affection towards other people. And now not exactly other people who are gonna get you all the things you want, right? It's easy to be nice to the person uh, who has like a ton of money. We you know we talked about this in James. It's easy to treat a certain person with a ton of respect because they're going to give you everything that you want, your boss or your mom or your dad. But the question is, how do you treat people when you encounter them and all that you have to do, all you can do is give to them, right? You're not going to receive any popularity. You're not going to receive any money. You're not going to receive any recognition. How do you treat those Because the Holy Spirit empowers us with compassion. The Holy Spirit brings us compassion for those who are needy. If you see a heart that is constantly moving towards empathy towards others, if you see your heart and your soul that is constantly wanting to give to others, then I would say that you have a good grip on the gospel and the Holy Spirit is refining you. But if you're constantly in a mode where you're kind of putting up walls to protect you from people who may inconvenience you, to put up kind of this dome around you where you get to push people out entirely and you don't have to give anything, you don't want to give anything. And when people suggest giving some time or money or whatever it may be, and you're just like, nope, I'm gonna stay in this little box. I I don't have any compassion for people like that. Then I would ask you and I would have you wonder and do a real assessment of where is your heart in relationship to the Lord. Because when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And he continues and he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love God or claim you love God and curse your brother and sister to reject those who are needy. In a healthy church, right? The people of God, not a building, the people of God, look to people like this with compassion. They halt in their tracks to look over, look at that, look at us. Imagine, that, that's what it says here in this text. Peter and John, look, look at me in the eye, they're saying to this man. How many people passed him by, maybe even prayed with him, talked with him, but wouldn't really look at him? It's compassion, it's empathy. And that's one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit working inside of us as a church, the people of God. The Holy Spirit fills us with compassion for the needy. First John So this guy right here, John, um, with Peter, he would go on to write many, many letters in the New Testament, right? Revelation, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the Gospel of John. 1st John John is written, and and actually 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are all about love, loving God, loving other people. And it says this. So this person, I want you to think about this. I'm going to read a passage from one of John's letters. And this person who would have turned and would have seen this miracle, who would have halted uh, their time and their hour, they would have just stopped everything to help this person. This person eventually says this later on. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. John says, this is how you know you're a Christian, because he has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to us as the Savior of the world. Verse 19, it says this, but we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for he does not love his brother whom he has seen and cannot love whom he has not seen, who is God. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. A person with an affection for the Lord An overwhelming love for God will naturally go out and spread that love to other people. A person who is so connected to God, who loves and cares for God, who is with God in his world, will naturally, just out of the overflow of their love for God, go out and want to spread that love to people who legitimately need it not people who you know maybe claim to have it all together or may be able to give you temporary wealth or status. No, 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 the people that Jesus came for. When you are with the person of Jesus so much, you will love the things that Jesus loved. And this is an example of that. This is Peter and John, right? They're gonna do something. It's a bit inconvenient. They stop and they look to him. They say, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I will give to you. You can't love God and hate people. It it just doesn't, it's just not a thing. It's not that, okay, sometimes you can kind of hate people and sometimes then you'll love God. No, it's when you love God, when you're a Christian who is empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will constantly be growing in love and affection for others. You can't love God with a passion and then have no desire whatsoever to see broken people healed. You can't love God, post verses on your social media, and find ways to avoid people who legitimately could use your help. You can't go around on Wednesday night saying, I love God, and then all of a sudden the rest of your weeks and day reflects a selfish and self-serving lifestyle because it is the overflow of our love for God that brings us to the nations and to the people who need help. The church is defined by God's love and true love will, for God, will manifest itself in loving others. That's just the reality. The evidence is, you know, that's the evidence that Jesus is still with his people by the level of which they serve others. The natural love of God, the love for God, true love for God will manifest itself in loving others. That's what the church is to be. That's what we need to be. That's what you need to be in your life, in your schools, in your classrooms. The, the times you go out from this section, this little time that we have to gather and to sing and have some fun together. The way you treat other people reflects your heart and level and love for God. And if you love God, you're going to love people. And if you really hate people, if they are bothering you, if they're problems, you're trying to look to isolate yourself, I'd ask you, where's your affection and love for the Lord? Where's your time with God? How are you growing with him? So who do we love? Do we love people who are hard to love? People who act like they don't want to be loved? People who have betrayed you? People who don't even want to get any of their life together whatsoever? Yes, 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 and yes. Compassionate ears to hear empathetic eyes to see. That is what a spirit-filled church has to be like. That's what you and I need to be like. The Holy Spirit fills us with this compassion for his people. Am I trying to serve others more or am I more focused on myself? Who are you looking towards the most? Is it yourself Or you're looking towards other people, but it's really because you're dating them, or you like them, or you want to date them, and you want to like them, or you want to be popular. What is your motives in your relationships right now? When you see people who are in clear need and desperate need, when you read statistics about people who are in need, does your heart swell with affection and empathy and compassion, or does it not? It's a good test to ask ourselves, are we loving the Lord our God above everything else? So this alone is a miracle, right? To turn your hearts, to turn your compassions and affections to someone who won't be able to give you anything at all is a miracle. And then what happens after this miracle But Peter said, If I have no silver silver and gold, but what I do have, I will give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were being made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms or charity, and they were filled with wonder and amazement by what had happened to them. So here's another miracle. This holy Spirit heals what is broken. That's our second point. The Holy Spirit heals what is broken. So another miracle here is performed by the apostles. The Holy Spirit heals what is broken. Jesus' spirit gives us the heart for the broken, and now his spirit is the one who is actually healing. The spirit gives them the compassion, and then the spirit gives them the power to heal, right? The Holy Spirit himself was doing those things. I think it's so interesting. Some people think, man, I need to uh, care more about other people man, I I need to care more about other people. And I would say, no, that's not exactly the case. You need to spend more time with Jesus and your care for other people will naturally grow. And some people are at the spot where they're like, okay, well, I care for people, but now I need to completely fix this person's problems. I care about this person. I care about their problems. I care about their needs right now, but now I need to be the one to completely fix the problem all on my own. No, 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 the solution is still the same. The solution is still Jesus. We call upon Jesus to do that as well. And this is what the apostles do. Peter and John, they call out to Jesus. They ask for a miracle. And this man gets up and walks. It's a beautiful moment in the history of the church. This man who walked in with burdens, with needs, with pain, who was separate from the world, rejected by people, now stands up and walks probably to the very people who passed him by. When God's people see problems in their community, when they see people who are broken, they don't walk by and think, someone else will take care of that. I'm sure someone else will figure that thing out. I'm sure someone else will do that for me. No, it's my thing. It's my heart. It's my city. It's my people. That's how the people of God think. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is working. We're gonna read next week that Peter gives a sermon after this, and his first main point is, "Don't look at me." That's literally like the first thing he says. "Don't look at me." It's Jesus who you killed, which is awesome. That's exactly what he says. It's it's very cool. Um, but he doesn't claim any responsibility, and neither do we. When we see people come to know Jesus after we invited them a million times, we don't take credit. You know, it's all God working. When we share a Bible verse with someone and they start to understand the goodness of God in their lives, you don't take credit. That's all God, right? And when we look at miracles like this, someone is healed physically of illness and of, and, and of some sort of debilitation. We don't take credit for it either. We give that glory to God. So many people like to put themselves at the center of stories like this, but the reality is all glory from this goes to God. Jesus. And so the question is, how do we look at this verse, how do we look at this verse and apply it to our lives today? Because so often many people would say, oh sweet, now I'm going to go out and I'm going to pray and I'm going to like try and pick people up and heal them instantaneously. Right? And I want to point our uh, attention back to a verse that we read earlier this year in James chapter 5. James chapter five has a very cohesive understanding of what it means to uh, be healed by the Lord and what that looks like. In James chapter five, it says this in verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray, going to God, asking for God's help. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them, right, what does it say? Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. The Lord is still doing this today. The Lord and the Holy Spirit is restoring and healing what is broken. We talked about this a few months ago. If there's needs, if there's sicknesses, if there's illnesses, we can pray and ask the Lord to heal us. But like we mentioned before, there's plenty of times we're asking God, why can't you do this like right now? Like instantly, God, can you fix this thing right now that is broken? Can you get on my timing with this whole thing, God? And the reality is that God is sovereign over the universe and He is working all the time. Even when he's not working in our specific to-do list plan, even when he's not working according to our agenda, he is moving. This is a miracle and we see plenty of miracles throughout the book of Acts. And I believe that we see miracles every single day in church if you look hard enough. When you look back at your life two years ago, two or three years ago, and you think of your affection for the Lord and growing in the Lord and growing in wisdom and stature and understanding scripture, that is a miracle. When you look back at other people's lives and you see broken marriages healed, you see broken relationships restored, when you see people who are apathetic to the gospel are now on fire for him, these miracles still happen, but they happen in God's timing. But we still pray for them in faith. We still ask the Lord to do things like this because we believe that only he can. James references it like five or six times, pray, 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 pray. Peter, John, right after this, hey, it was God, it was Jesus. And so Jesus gets all of the glory. God can heal the physical illness and sicknesses that plague us, yes. And we pray it in faith and we allow the sovereign plan of God to unfold in the middle of it. The spirit fixes what is broken. The Spirit fixes the things that we can't fix on our own. Actual, you know, physical obstacles and, and, and hearts, hearts that are hard and hearts that are just not willing to move or understand the things of God. Only the Holy Spirit can fix all of these things. And he does here in this case, and it is a miracle and it is absolutely amazing. The Lord is working. The compassion for the man was from God and the healing itself was also from God, but it was Peter and John's hands and feet. The love for this person and the healing that was brought to this person are both only from God, but John and Peter were there. It was their hands. It was their feet. They were the ones who turned. They were the ones who physically picked up this person. And in our lives, it's the Lord working. It's the Lord giving us guidance and direction, but you still have to show up. It still needs to be your hands and feet because Jesus isn't here anymore. Is he? Yes and no. Not physically, but his people are, and his spirit is, and his Holy Spirit empowers you, and his Holy Spirit is here. Is it possible that God wants to continue his mission, Jesus' mission, to seek and to save the lost, Luke says? Is it possible that Jesus wants that mission to continue on earth today through his church? This miracle is just like, so Jesus, right? But he wasn't there. But he kind of was there. Jesus' earthly mission continues in us, the church. The mission that Jesus had continues in us, the church—that's our main idea for tonight. The mission continues. The mission goes on. The miracles of the gospel are of the apostles here in Acts—it gives validity. Specifically, this gives validity to their authority, right? And there's plenty of things that happen in Acts that uh, you know were specific to that time, so people could see but I do believe the Lord is still working and moving. But this specific miracle gives validity to who? Peter and John, that there's something inside of them that's different than everyone else, right? It gives legitimacy to that. Now imagine some of these people, imagine what they were going through. Some of these people who saw this miracle, at the temple gate, may have also seen Jesus A few months ago, right, a few years ago, lift up someone who is also lame, who healed the blind and raised the dead. And imagine these persons, this light bulb moment. They're like, wait a minute. The people of God, you know, John and Peter, and then there's Jesus, and they just did something that Jesus did. Is it possible that they have something inside of them that's different? Is it possible that that Jesus now actually does live inside of them like they're saying he does? And many of these people who are standing there in the temple turn around, this guy kicks down the door, he's jumping around, and they're like, oh my goodness, they must be telling the truth. There must be something different about them. There must be something other than themselves doing these things inside of them. Is it possible that he wants us to continue this mission? Absolutely. Is it possible that today in Vancouver, Washington, 2021, that others are supposed to be looking at you as followers of Jesus and thinking, man, they're sure acting like Jesus. I know they're not Jesus, but they sound like him a lot. I know that they're not Jesus, but they're doing the things that Jesus wants them to do. I know that they're not Jesus, but they're talking like Jesus. They're sounding like Jesus, and they're becoming more like him. Is it possible that the mission of Jesus continues today? Yes, through his church, through us, the people of God. And God gets all of the credit for him, for these moments, for these miracles. And in that moment, those people in your classrooms, right, in your schools, in a world that is dark and lost and is confusing, where there's there's just nonsense happening, there's inappropriate uh, language and jokes and, and, and things and just a mess of things that are happening. Is it possible for you to be in the very center of it and to act different and for people to look at you and say, this person's got something different inside of them. This person has had something different. They must have been with Jesus. Are you living like that's true? Are you living like that is your reality? Are you compassionate? It's your connectedness to God. You're so close with God that you can't help but care for your classmates who are lost. You can't help but care for the people who are needy. You can't help but want to run as fast as you can to fill a need when it is there, not so that you can uh, claim that you're the best servant of all, not that you can claim more status or friendship, but that you can simply just serve because it is what God has led you to do. Is it possible? God's mission is continuing and his spirit is leading, and his spirit is healing. It brings compassion to our hearts, and he alone is the one who's healing what is broken. So as we close up here, I want us to think about this guy, this man who was never able to walk, never able to be a normal uh, member of society, right? People were not treating him correctly, and that was so wrong, and he is now in a spot where he can see he can walk he can he can stand imagine the expression imagine the emotion and what are they claiming it's Jesus it's him well i mean it's him through his people it was Jesus doing these things through his people the spirit of god moving like so many before him and so many people after him his life would never be the same after an encounter with Jesus and his people. Like the dozens of people before him and the millions of people and millions of people afterwards, his life is not the same. He is shouting, he is praising, he is speaking the good news of Jesus because of his transformation. He's speaking the good news. Who in your life right now needs to see Jesus' heart through your hands and feet? through your actions. Who in your life right now needs to see the heart and compassion and empathy and love of Jesus through your hands and feet, through your acts of service, through your compassion, through your turning of your head and looking someone in the eye? Who needs to hear in your life? Everyone, everyone. And this is a spot for us. This is a time to rally, to connect to go on mission, to be on mission for God. And then to go out and to do the things that Jesus would want us to do. Maybe you're in this room right now and you feel like maybe tonight you're like, actually, I need that Jesus for the first time. Maybe there's, there's next action items if you are a Christian, but maybe you're in this room right now and you need an encounter with Jesus who heals because the reality is so many people would look at this and put themselves in the shoes of the apostles and say, look, see, we have power to do all these awesome things. And if anything goes wrong, just heal it yourself, right? And that's, we're not, we're not the apostles, right? None of us are apostles. We're, we were in the spot that the lame beggar was in. We were in the spot where we were broken and needy and needing the gospel. And we are now in the spot where we were like, I don't know what happened, but now I can see. I don't know what happened, but now I can walk. I don't know what happened, but now I'm different. And it's because of Jesus. You may have had someone bring that good news to you, right? But we are in the spot of the person who's begging and needy. That's that's where we were found. And maybe you're in this room right now, and you're like, man, I haven't had that moment where I've encountered Jesus. I haven't had that moment where I've been transformed by him. If that's you right now, I can tell you that Jesus is near. He is close and he loves you. And I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to tell you about him. I'd love for you to stop running, to stop making excuses, to finally share. It is how you need this healing, how you need this ultimate healing, this this redemption and rescuing from sin and death. Because this is where we were. And if you're a Christian, then you're not there anymore. But if you're in this room right now, you need it. I would love to pray with you and for you in this moment. When God is at work, he gets all the glory. When God is at work, Jesus gets the glory. Through his Holy Spirit, through his people, Jesus always gets the glory. So let's pray and then sing about this. Let's sing and remember the time when we were lost. Let's sing and remember the time where I was lost, and I'm looking back at my life, and I'm different now. Let's sing like that's true. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. I pray that we would just take this truth that there's a sickness, that there's something that we need prayer for, God, that we would come forth. God, I pray that if there's a time where we, uh, you know, if we are feeling lost and separate from you, God, I pray that we would constantly return to you. God, thank you for the truth that you're a healer, that you're a rescuer. God, thank you for building the church. You know, not because of us, but honestly, in spite of us, in spite of our sinfulness, God, you're still doing things like this. Thank you for this truth. God, I pray for the student right now who is wanting to share, wanting to uh, discuss some things that they're feeling. I pray that you would just give them the peace to go into connection group, to go into this time and to share. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're a healer. Thank you that you're empowering us to be on mission today. We love you, Lord. Help us sing of your goodness. God, help us to sing of your goodness with our lives, with our speech, with our finances, with our time. Let it all be a song of worship to you. Let us sing now. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.